0: Hey friends, welcome back to the show. If you're just tuning in for the very first time, my name is Yulia, I'm your host, and this is Dream Nation Love. Today on the show, I have Anne. She's the founder and chief product officer at Griffin Product and Growth. She's also the creator of the job search course, Attract Your Dream Job. You can check out more on her site, which is antgriffin.com. That's A-N-N-E-T-G-R-I-F-F-I-N.com. I love this discussion because it's all about tech and uh, inclusion. I met Anne while we were both taking a product management class, and I thought she was really bright. It's been fun watching her grow for the last few years since we met. I really wanted to have her on the show because she's she's really bright. She's a product leader, she's a technologist, uh, she's an expert, she's a public speaker on AI, product inclusion, tech ethics, and blockchain. And she has a technical foundation from her engineering degree from the University of Michigan. This podcast is all about disruptive technologies and building products, really. So if you like it, please share it with a friend. Uh, We really love this discussion, and we hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Have a great day.
1: And it's so lovely to see you. Thank you for logging in. It's
2: like, hey, it's Friday. I actually can see the sky today. So... I'll take what I can get. You have a gorgeous plant behind you.
1: Where are you located again? I'm just the global citizen of the you world. You are. You really it, are. It takes a lot of energy every time to do these jumps. It's like, it's like, woof, like I can't even. Yeah. So I escape for a bit. Where are you? I'm in,
2: I'm in New York, but like, I would say like my specific building in my neighborhood is like, there's some people who don't wear masks, but like for the most part, people are actually like pretty good about it. So I'm still here, but also it's like, it's very neighborhood dependent because there was one time when I do have to leave my house, like occasionally, <laughs> my, my apartment. Like, I remember one time I was like in a taxi and I was like 15 blocks north of here. And like, it was over the summer, like, no one was wearing a mask. And I was like, if that was my neighborhood, I'd have been like, we need to leave now. Like, but like, here it's like most of the people, like, even just like 15 blocks south, like, will wear masks and like that sort of thing. And so, I feel comfortable in my little zone.
1: That's good. It's good. It's, it's also like, it's just a giant experiment, right? Speaking about artificial intelligence, you know, like it's just a giant uh, experiment in intelligence period and following the rules, right? Like imagine we're writing an app or a program and everybody's playing the same game. And then like, you have a few people who are like, Nope. Yeah. So people just like, game? nope, not
2: playing this game and like how they, how they decide to follow the rules. And also it's like, it's interesting because you've probably discussed this with other people Where like how, like when you get down to like, like an atomic level or even just like the cellular level, you look at things where it's like, most of us are programmed to do certain things. Like cells are programmed to do a certain thing, but then it's like, you corrupt like one piece of what it's trying to do and it becomes cancer. And it's like, your cell is just like, it's like very, attuned to being like i just need to keep reproducing the same thing again and again and again because otherwise the person dies if they do that right and then but it's like okay well the rest of the body is trying to be like do one thing and then the cancer cells trying to do the other one it becomes like okay how do we not destroy ourselves because you have two things and the cancer cells well i'm doing the right thing because i'm a human body cell and this is what i'm supposed to do you know yeah, it's, it's like
1: my mind <laughs>
2: It's like, that's what it's like. It's like, we're, we're like smart, but we're, I think as a species, we're just not that smart. And it's just like ourselves. It's like down to our our DNA. It's like, we, we replicate the same behaviors that we see in our own bodies and it's enough that it can kill us or we might get over it. We'll find out. (laughs)
1: It, because we're talking about um, how people think they can change behaviors and how some other people think they can't change behaviors. Like, my mom was like, it is what it is. I have no control over it. And, like, other people are like, I'm going to force things into change. Oh, my It like, gonna-
2: It is really interesting. People who believe change is possible and people who don't. And it also ties into all this COVID stuff because there is somebody that my husband and i knew that we weren't necessarily close friends with we were like on a zoom early on in the lockdown with like a bunch of other friends and they were like well i don't really blame the people in florida who are on the beaches and partying all the time because if it was something that they shouldn't do it's on the government to block it which then gets into a whole other conversation of what the government should and shouldn't do and how governance works which we're not i'm not going to go there but like the whole thing is, it's kind of this interesting thing of like this idea of a person who is an individual, right? This is a person who like doesn't work in government. Like I wouldn't consider them like a super political person. Being like, oh well, unless like there is a force that prevents me, like physically prevents me. From like doing this thing that is causing that I recognize as a, a bad behavior that could kill us all, it's not those individual faults because like somebody else who is more in charge or some divine force is like in charge of stopping this thing from happening. So it's not really their fault. And I was like, what? <laughs> But like some, that is saw some people like believe in terms of like, if you want to change this person's behavior, like a bigger intervention basically has to come through. Like instead of like one that is within that is, well, I care about myself and I care about my neighbors and therefore I'm going to change this behavior.
1: Well, it's about taking accountability, right? It, it says like, I don't want to take any accountability. So I'm just going to do whatever I want. Unless like mom tells me no, you know, it's very yes. childish in a weird way. yeah exactly it's very like oh like and speaking of children you know what was your dream as a kid this was like a totally random segue right
2: my dream as a kid and you know when they say like what's your dream job and there's this video that's integrates this audio that's like i do not dream of labor (laughs) as a child when i was five i wanted to be christy yamaguchi I wanted to be a figure skater because it looked fun. I was like, that seems, I was like, do we have a triple axel in like a shiny, cute outfit? I mean, what sounds like more fun than that? right? That's what I want it to be. I still can't ice skate to this day. I grew up in Minnesota and my parents like put me in dance class and I was like, this is not ice skating. And, I was, and they were like, but you will be able to figure out how to ice skate from there. But then I like never really cared enough to, learn to ice skate. And I went on like ice skating field trips. And the problem is like, I never got good at it. Like I can actually rollerblade Okay. Like I can, I'm, I was like able to naturally figure out rollerblading. Ice skating was always awkward and painful for me, but I really just was like, I want to wear cute costumes all day and do triple axles. Like it's nothing. And I will say as a kid, the other thing that was interesting, I was accountable, but also I was one of those children, where when I was smaller, I thought I was smarter than a lot of the adults in my life. And so there were times where my mom would tell me to do stuff and I'd be like, okay. And the second that she turned around, I would just do it my way because I was just like, okay, so I have this vision in my head for what I want to do. So I was accountable to what my vision was, but I just like didn't believe certain adults when they told me that's how certain things worked. And I found out you know from you know doing things I mean like oh wow that worked exactly like what my mom said but you know I got over that phase I'm not the kind of person where I just assume I know more or smarter than other people but that's kind of that was kind of like my attitude as a child it's like I would have visions and I'm like but I want to do this and it wasn't even like bad behavior it would be like don't squish the strawberries down if we go strawberry picking, cause it's going to squish them. And I was like, they look fine. I do not notice they're squished. And then at the end you take all the strawberries out of the basket and like all the ones on the bottom are squished. And I'm like, imagine, imagine that. How could that happen?
1: Right. It's yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's something to be said about following certain rules to get certain outcomes.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's like cause and effect. It's, and I think that's one of like the first, I think it's something that humans struggle with in general, but I think it is a lesson that for the people who do get it, they understand it pretty early on.
1: Well, I think this kind of loops uh, nicely into, you know, being human first and like product second, you know, that there's a way to like do certain things. They get certain results, like being in the tech world you know, if you execute this, this is usually a result. Like there's sometimes a formula, not always, you know, whenever you have a new product, but if you're growing a community, doing, you know, lean testing in a weird way, you were doing some lean testing, right?
2: Yes, (laughs) exactly. You were like, that
1: doesn't work. Let me reiterate.
2: Yeah. Let me reiterate. We'll figure it out. Next time I go strawberry picking, not going to squish the strawberry. See how that turns out. Right. And
1: that goes back to like AB testing too, in a weird way, you know, you're like, okay, well, what happens if I squeeze the strawberry? Okay. That doesn't work. Exactly. Yeah. So like in a weird way, it's like everything that we do as a kid kind of like paves our way into like our fascination now into like the technical. We met first in a, in a product management class at GA. Yeah, yes. So that's where we met. And that feels like such a lifetime ago
2: really was. I feel like we've been through many lifetimes (laughs) since then, like many, many jobs, many things that we've, we've learned since then. But I think it was like an amazing foundation, especially always, I always loved like your ideas because you, I think one of the things I really noted about the things that you would come up with is they were rooted in, I mean, not just like the human first, but also like human realities and behavior. And I think sometimes people be like, why would I think I remember one time you brought up this example of like using Tinder for networking. And I think some people were like, wait, what, why would you do that? But like the reality is right. Like there there's LinkedIn, but if you're not using LinkedIn, like, how are you, how do you network? Even now I'm like, I can't even think like, how how would you network in a tool that's not kind of like old fashioned, like LinkedIn. Right. And granted, like you are going to run into people who are also like, I, I want something more than just like networking on Tinder. But the reality is I'm like, it was a problem that was not like being solved. And it was like a fast way to to network. And now we're in this virtual world where like we can't hang out in person. And I'm like, you know, like how, like where, where is like that networking tool, right? Like that kind of, does that at that speed? I feel
1: like it's gone to Clubhouse. Like everything is going to Clubhouse and people are trying to get a lease that's social. Um, like you and I are like doing this in real time and a lot of people are too nervous to do things in real time. And you know, like maybe just having a voice kind of like gives you that shield of like protection where it, it's like, you know, in a weird way, it's like walking into a room but without your body. <laughs> you know, speaking of tech, it's like your voice walks in and your consciousness walks in, right? but Tinder for networking ended up being Bumble. Remember Bumble started doing a whole thing and uh, they started a whole dating thing. Cause yeah, I was dating when I was a GA cause I, I had just gotten divorced and I was like in this weird free fall and GA kind of like, helped me not think about all of it. I was just building products, building products. And, um, and I built out a thing called Zap tag in it, which was really fun, which actually kind of became Pokemon. And the crazy part is that I built out Zap tag on the, idea of ingress and ingress launched pokemon which is really interesting but like that type was fun and it kept me from like focusing on the fact that my life was kind of like falling apart and then like rebuilding itself i i digress which is back to you know human first and product second i know you teach like this amazing workshop called human first product second and you focus on growth focused emerging technologies, and then you also focus on the impact of tech on vulnerable communities and tech ethics. And I really wanted to talk about this on the podcast, too, because it's such a interesting and fascinating topic. And it's something so new, something that you know goes back to empathy. And you work with companies and you educate leadership and employees and cross-functional teams on inclusivity and products and helping upskill the impact of emerging technologies and the future of work. So I would love to have you just like talk about that if that's okay for a little bit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so for the people listening right now, I'm a black woman. Okay. So just, just for context, and both of my paternal grandparents are from like the South, like Arkansas, Louisiana. And the other weekend I was talking to one of my dad's cousins who his family never left. Or that My dad's family, like his mom, my grandmother left Louisiana, but the other part of the family didn't lose, leave Louisiana. And um, she was talking about how up until the age about like 15, she was still in segregated schools. She's in her 60s. She's about the same age as my dad. My dad went to like a mostly white school in Michigan. They're like the same age. She was saying like she was in segregated schools until like she was like 15. And I was like, I can't even, it didn't even really process in my mind that like I had family members given that, like what my dad grew up with, like that would be still experiencing that. And she was talking about how even certain opportunities up until the civil rights movement were kind of barred from black people, you know, even, even just like welding jobs, like black people couldn't get welding jobs, like in their town in Louisiana. And you think about now we're building this future technology in which not just black people but many people when, like women and also black women and people who are like of different faiths people who are of other backgrounds who have been generally like intentionally excluded from like a culture of innovation or at least like a middle class labor and we're kind of we're, very early on but also very far along we're like how do we build things where the foundations of these were built in a system that intentionally excluded these people, right? Especially when there's so much momentum, the feedback that often comes is like, this feels very jarring to have to change the way I've been working since I came into tech 30 years ago or whatever the time is, right? And so I think that's one of the things And people always say tech is neutral, but it's not possible for it to be neutral when it was built in a society that spent so much time and energy trying to exclude different people and that's part of the reason why i'm really passionate about what i do because it's something where it's like my ancestors didn't get a say or a voice in like building things in the last industrial revolution they were the labor like the free labor in that industrial revolution and we're kind of going into another industrial revolution right now and we need to make sure that we're considering these te- these people and teams and organizations that have been left out, that they're not just like, we consider them. Like, how do we include them? How do we have frameworks to think about like how we include them? Who's not in the room? Like, how might this actually harm people? Because the number one thing that companies say is, well, we weren't intending to harm anybody with this. And I'm like, okay, great. But, Impact over intent here, right? Because you can do a lot of really terrible things with good intentions. And sometimes you have to say, like, we apologize and we're going to fix it. But kind of saying, like, we just didn't intend it, moving on and not acknowledging it, and then also changing nothing is not the way forward.
1: Mm-hmm. It's so true. You know, I, I'm in sag after and I've studied acting in Meisner for a long time. And what I really keep on going back to is, like, every time you have to play a villain, you don't blame him as a villain. You just play him somebody who's like really focused on doing something that they think is good. They're just very focused on like, this is the right thing to do, you know? And like that, that always brings it to mind is that like bad things happen always out of like, not necessarily malicious intentions. I don't know what percentage, I'm sure some people are just like, I'm just going to fuck shit up. There are those people? But like, but a lot of the other stuff which is which is so scary you know like especially just anything anything right intentions intentions and energy put together and it's so interesting to be able to be at this time frame where you can have a say in products you know when it comes to like ai and facial recognition
2: yeah i mean especially when we consider though and tying this into the technology piece right we're having technology that's supposed to now like judge someone's emotions right based on how they talk you know based on their facial expressions and even if you just look at the world let's say of comedy right people will do stereotype jokes and there are certain expressions people use to stereotype how a specific group is expressing themselves or feels about something right and i'm like so how is that captured you know when we're having ai that's saying like are you angry are you this are you that like does this person look like they're up to no good and there's this proximity to kind of like what people think is like the blonde hair blue eyed people where it's like those people might get read better but then there's also other cultural cues that might tie in where it's probably not going to read it very well like even just like the early i mean i probably still this way i turned turned off my alexa like years ago but you know amazon's echo alexa you know the problem I heard a lot was people would buy them and they're like, she can't even understand my accent. Right. And I'm like, increasingly we're using these types of technologies to like, listen into either conversations or we're using it. We're saying, Oh, this can be great. Cause someone's gonna be able to talk and it's gonna be able to fill in this form. And I'm like, Oh, okay, well this now is excluding this many people because you designed it for these people. And granted people say, here's MVP. But the thing is they actually don't even have those accents on their, their roadmap. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, it's one thing if you want to argue with somebody about what your MVP is, but the reality is, is most times it's like not even on the roadmap. It didn't even occur to them. And that's one of the bigger problems. I'm like, you can have that argument about whether or not this really belongs in the MVP or, or not. If, if you can actually say you even considered it before you all agreed together, this was your MVP. And then
1: it goes into, you know, cultural, cultural norms, which aren't really like known to a lot of people like in Russia. It's really weird, but whenever somebody offers you something, you're supposed to say no three times, and then you're supposed to say yes. So it's like, how do you count for those tiny little things that are cultural things? Yeah, like how do you build tech around that? How do you build? How do you tech? How do? You, how do you build tech around culture?
2: Yeah, and I think this will become more interesting when we start seeing. Like one of the areas that's invested the most in AI technologies right now is is Asia. Like China, South Korea, and Japan have invested like millions and billions of dollars into being front runners in AI. The US obviously is is lagging behind, but because of we have so many tech companies here, we still have, I'll say, like legacy innovators still here, and it'll be interesting as those companies and those countries start selling internationally, granted, they're all very savvy. And so I'm sure that they will figure out internationalization, kind of what parts of their culture will be adapted in their AI that the rest of the world, once they start using it, they'll have that moment of like, wait, this actually doesn't work as well for me, because this was designed for these people. And and nine is just say asian people be like they may be like okay most of our market is maybe us and then us and then i'm like everyone outside of that maybe is going to be a bit more of a struggle just like in the us they kind of design for okay white people this type of accent and then it's kind of like after that they're like oh there's like other people that 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 we need to account for because everyone wants to be able to sell in china and there's many problems with that we won't get into the trademark stuff but Part of the problem is like they design for US first, and there's a lot of things like culturally that are built into our technology that I'm like, I don't think it translates over there. So even if you didn't have to worry about somebody maybe ripping your product idea off and it becoming like a viable product in China and you get basically pushed out, you still would have problems where it might not reach the same level of adoption just because of like. You know how we deal with community here. How we deal with like like conversation, those kind of things. Like you said, like if if this were we're talking about like dealing with a no. If somebody is like, I want to offer you a gift in like some sort of like chatbot thing, and somebody's like, well, my first answer is going to be no, you know. And the chatbot's like, okay, bye. Then it might come off as you know rude and be like, well, why wouldn't you like check back in?
1: When it comes to like doing AI that recognizes voice and. And they're using your data, and you're not being compensated for it. So it brings up all these questions of like, well, who's getting compensated? Kind of a clubhouse. They just got like a billion-dollar evaluation. But again, you know, the users are mostly African-American people. So people are like, well, nobody's making money off of it, and you made a whole entire service and entirely off of the community, and you're not giving back. And now they're like starting like levels where they are starting to pay creators or something in the next few months. But, uh, but there's so many questions. Like it, it's, it's just the tip of the iceberg, right? What are some ways in your workshop that you teach that you can start building inclusive products, right? I feel like I'm focusing way too much on the problem I'm like this and that and that, but it's like, what are some solutions, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, some of it is. I know this term is so overused, but it is design thinking. And originally people would be like the, Oh, the IDO is like, imagine you're the customer and you're going through it. But the, the problem is, is right. Like all the people they imagine our customers are people who look and sound just like them. So you have to really think about, we can do the design thinking, but before you go down that path, when that you kind of think about who your audience is, right. You also have to think about who are the outliers in our audience, even if we're not, going to build specifically for them, we need to at least like think in our head, like how do we like kind of QA this, right? Like in our head, like run them through this or have someone else like talk to them, you know, like pay them for their time and say, like, this is an experience. How did you feel about it? And if, if you talk to enough people and they're like, this was fine to me, I'm like, great. But if it's like they're like, actually, like this was highly problematic. Like, why did this why did this happen? Or like at the end, this was there's all those questions where it's like people launch things all the time. And then at the end they're like, Oh, uh, so I think some of it is that part is like, let's figure out like, you know, who these people are we need to run through. And part of it is also people talk about this all the time. It's like, it's not just building diverse teams who are building this technology, but teams of equity. What is the point of having people who are Jewish on the team or black or like any, literally anything, or it's like, maybe like, first generation like south asian american like what is the point of having them on your team if they know that if they disagree with this one person that that person is going to belittle them in meetings and if they disagree enough they're going to have performance review problems having equity and making sure everyone's voice is actually equal and everyone has an equal say and when you look at most organizations like apple google facebook you look at their numbers, the numbers aren't great. But then when you look at their numbers in leadership, it's even worse. And so that's part of the problem is even if people are like, we're not going to fix our team structure, at least like think about who's not there and be like, how would this work if we ran them through our path and don't like make assumptions of like, I'm thinking like a, a black person, and like have it go through like your path. It's like, no, pay someone to, to do this and think about it. Like there's so many groups, there's like nonprofits you can engage with, right? there's a lot of people you can engage with, you choose not to. And it's like that first, like break things, move fast and break things. And I'm like, maybe move slightly less fast and try not to break people. And so another aspect is like, there's a lot of different frameworks depending on the product, but it's really kind of looking at like some of now a lot of these products are really kind of data focused, but it's kind of looking at like, why are you collecting this data? Like, where are you storing it? Like how long are you keeping it? Is there anything in here that could be like really problematic? And when we look at certain companies, they have so much data that it's some of that's not even really protected in a way in which like the governments of certain countries are able to easily kind of track location data of certain people and be like, Oh, you were at this protest and like jail them or persecute certain groups and other things like that. And like, those are things where, you know, looking at those types of things and frameworks. So it can depend on the type of product that you're creating, but there's different frameworks in terms of like, how do we add these checks and balances? Just like people would be like, Oh, we're going to have a requirements review. And I'm like, why isn't there a part of the requirements that addresses like some of these things, depending on what the feature or product is.
1: You know, when it comes to having different personas, right? Like I often feel like a persona will pop up if there's like a market available because they're like, Oh, there's like the Latino market. We can make money off of that. So let's start. So I feel like a lot of the diversity is being brought on, not because they are thinking of inclusivity on everyone. It's, it's very much dictated by, by numbers. Like there are a lot of podcasts that are coming up about diversity right now. And I'm like, you've never talked about diversity in your whole entire life. I'm like, since when are you an advocate? Like, I've been doing this for years, you know, not to be like, I'm the one, but I'm like, uh, they're all used to it. and It's like, there are a lot of companies also just doing the talk and they're just like, not supporting it. They're just beating the drum and not supporting it, which is really frustrating.
2: Yeah. And I think it's the, one of the things that I, a lot of people have been saying, but I've also had to say is with that, it, you are who you are and talking the talk, but then refusing to walk the walk doesn't make you less racist. It might make you feel like you have a defense when people say you're being racist, but I'm like, if you're not going to do the work or you're not going to put the money towards this, then I'm like, it might make you feel really good, but it actually doesn't make you any less racist or sexist or any kind of bias. And I think it's like, you either need to become, i not that I want people to become comfortable in being like biased or racist, but I'm like, you either just need to become comfortable and be like, I suck. And that's who I am. And I've chosen not to do any work around it. Or you have to be like, I'm actually going to do the work. You know, like there's not, I hate to be like, it's black or white, but I'm like, it's hard. It's hard to be like when people have the opportunity, literally all the time to do the work. And every month goes by every single year, every decade goes by and they still choose not to do the work.
1: And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that this year because I know a lot of people who are like, well, I'm not racist. And I'm like, well, if you're not racist, then you're just apathetic. And that's just as worse. You know, like you might not be apathetic. I mean, you might not be racist, but you really don't care. So what does that say? That's like, or you're that's, that's part of a racist system. Right? And that's not, just because
2: you're not like, I hate this type of people doesn't mean that that's like much better i'm like i'm glad you're not i guess storming the capital and like leaving death threats on people's voicemails but you know i'm like you're you're upholding a structure that supports that
1: or you're fine with it and you just think that yeah. it's okay and you just you don't want to help other people that's it that's really what it comes down to it's like you just you're just comfortable not helping other people and that's the way it sits with you
2: which in a way is is upholding the power structure right
1: true <laughs> that's true and I think about that and I think about like, you know, you do a lot of workshops on blockchain too. And I'm like, well, I wonder if there's a way to solve racism, with like blockchain for companies, like, you know, can you, I know that there are there someone who's
2: trying to do stuff with like data and blockchain and make it so it's easier for like people of color and women and like other marginalized groups to be able to have like a way to, like it's like better, like legally track, like their incidents. Cause I said, one of the other issues is like, usually when stuff happens to us, we're like, Oh, every, you know, maybe, maybe it was just this, but then we don't document it. So then we forget. And then when a problem blows up, people are like, well, you've never talked to HR about this before. You don't have any of the documentation. And one of the things about blockchain is right, is that it has a timestamp, especially when we're talking about public networks, like you can't change that. And so once you start having these like, you know, immutable timestamps on saying like this this happened then or documented this here or there. The thing is like from like court the courts tech, not all of them necessarily recognize using blockchain. In a court of law, if you have something that's like not changeable and this is time stamped, I'm like that, it can be pretty damning saying like, well, okay, so this this was time stamped in a thing where it's like no one had any way of changing this or deleting this, like this was here. And so like there there are people who are trying to make it easier for like accountability but then you actually have to have the company that is like we are so committed to holding each other and ourselves accountable that we're actually going to purchase this and then continue to subscribe to it every single year which i think some companies might but i know there's also a lot of companies that would be like once they realize like how much I would say like legal trouble it gets them in, but basically it's like, it's, it's an advocate for the employee, which the reality is I'm like, they don't want to have to fight legally against their employee. They just want their, they want employees to give up and be like, okay, fine. Bye. It's just easier to leave you.
1: HR is not your friend. This is what I tell friends. Like if friends are having a work issue and I'm like, think twice, you know, like, yes, you should document it, but also just remember that HR is there to protect the company. So like, they're going to do everything that, you know, they're going to help you, but just, just, just don't think that they're there to protect you. They're human resources for the company.
2: I I tell people that when you engage with HR, you need to engage with them as like, this is part of a legal process. So you want to tell them certain things so that you can have proof. If someone came back to you later and say, I had proof that I notified the company X, Y, Z, here's a timestamp date, but like, don't go to them and pour out your whole heart
1: it's and you know and that happens so often and uh and i think about it and i think about for women and women in a workplace right like what do you tell hr and what do you not tell hr like i've had a few issues where i had like a boss um sexually harassed me and i just switched companies instead of going to hr because i was like i'm just gonna get away from this guy because because i like just sold like you know, like a commercial that was super expensive. And I was a junior and I was like, I'm going on my first shoot. And he was like, only if you sleep, only if you share a bed with me. Ha <laughs> ha And I was like, only if you sleep under it. <laughs> I quit. So there's so many things because um, it prevents women and minorities, especially who are susceptible to this from standing up for themselves. And, and it'd be really interesting to implement blockchain as a way to just sound so, so scary but we attract people too no it gets really
2: i mean but that's the, that's the reality And you were saying human first product second and these are things like people need to think through because here's the other side of that coin right we can say here's how you track those those offenders so you can see like this is this is what they did this is what they said these are the actions that they took and but the other side of it is it can also end up like most things end up being weaponized against like us right where they can say well, that actually I'm going to have a counter report that says that never happened. And Yulia said, like, I, if you don't, if you don't get me on this shoot, I'm going to say that you tried to sleep with me. And then the thing is like, that becomes a, a thing. And then it becomes this thing of people like to say blockchain is, is trustless, but the reality is there's still this element of, you know, when we're talking about ones and zeros, there's a level of trust, right? Because these are things, but when we start talking about like personal accounts of things, these are things that, you know, do you want that to be immutable? Like who, who is really the person telling the truth? And unfortunately I feel like the last, like, I'm going to say five years, cause I'm going to count the year that he ran, like the five years we've literally been battling it out here in America of like, what is the truth? Which I think in my head, a lot of it is very simple but we can see that we, we talked about back again we're back here in full circle like to a lot of people the truth is not the same we don't all share the same reality whether it's politically or whether it's about the virus we are kind of living in different realities and the way somebody who's i don't like psychiatrist or psychologist i don't remember who said this to me but it's kind of like it's okay when people live in like uh like their reality is maybe like a pixel off from most people's reality right but it's when people's realities are like too many pixels over from everyone else's reality that we start getting really concerned whether it's because of extremism or whether it's because that person is like very mentally ill and could like cause harm to themselves or others and that's i mean that's like the thing right it's like what what is the truth? And that's one of the, I think the questions of blockchain is like people like it. People like the idea of immutability, immutability. And this is the one source of truth when it comes to money. But once we start getting into things that are not money, it starts getting very messy.
1: It does. And this starts to get even messier when you're starting to think about going back to creating tools that help people have an easier life on whether it's identifying if you're depressed from your tone it gets very dicey because what level of depression are we talking about? Are we talking about suicidal or are we talking about just like having a bad day, you know, because I can even be PMSing as a woman. Like I can, you know, my moods go up and down and I can be on chat. And if it diagnoses me, like then it sends off a whole set of events and where does that information go?
2: I was gonna say, and are we always gonna be aware that we're being monitored by that kind of software, right? It's what if it's like, we're not asking to be diagnosed, right? And we can have a really bad day and sound like furious and this and that. And like, how do we expect the tool to decide this is normal versus like, this person actually has like a major problem. And I actually, I had a friend in high school where the counselor thought that she was suicidal and based on something she said, and I was like, well, are do you feel suicidal? And her message to me was like, I don't. And it became this whole thing where this counselor would like literally try to pull her into the office like once a week because he felt like she was suicidal and she would talk to me and she's like this causes me so much distress and they literally won't believe me they think I'm just trying to get rid of them which she was trying to get rid of them, but, like, and she was just like it's so stressful because I don't want to deal with this anymore and I like whatever I said I wasn't going to kill myself like I wasn't but because they were like it's it, as an adult and you know we're dealing with adult, minor stuff so it also makes it more complicated like as an adult they felt like it was their responsibility if they felt like she was you know a suicide risk to do something about it but the way in which they did it actually made her life more miserable than whatever she was going through that day to whatever she said in that moment you know and now we're like people can't even do this but we're gonna leave this up to ai and i think one of the bigger things in ai is like people building tools that are that they're like oh you could just use this independently Like you wouldn't have to, um, have a human work together with it where they are building like AI tools where it can help identify heart problems, which if you combine the tool with human doctors, it actually does a really, really great job identifying those things early. Um, however, the thing is, is when you use this independently, it actually like reduces at. Um, the accuracy. And you saw that there was this, uh, I think it was like called Compass, which was this tool that was trying to determine recidivism. So whether or not someone was likely to recommit a crime. And when the tool just worked independently, and this is how they were using it in a lot of cases in courts across the US, was that they would use the tool and have no one else review the case. And the tool more, more often than not would say like black and brown people had a higher likelihood of recidivism. So if it's like this person is black or brown, on on this individual case, they would look at it and the tool would be like, yes, so this person, like you should need to have this person, like how you sentence them should be more extreme because this person is more likely to recommit the crime. But when they actually had a human working with it, it actually gave different perspective. Because like also the other problem is there are humans in, in the justice system who are incredibly biased, racist, like problematic, right? But it's one of those things where this idea of using AI at this stage in our development as a species to replace human input has created a lot more problems than it's solved.
1: Right. And speaking of <laughs> problems and speaking of like Fitbits and data, you know, when it comes to like sharing data with your partner, like how much would you share? And oh I, my gosh. I don't know if you heard the story, but I love the story because I, I actually think it's so unfortunate. But it's also funny how one uh, woman caught her boyfriend cheating at like four o'clock in the morning because his Fitbit was going on. And like, oh, wow. his heart rate was going way up at four o'clock in the morning for no apparent reason. And it's because he forgot to take his Fitbit off and he was like, hey, banging some girl. Wow. But it's like new ways for technology to kind of like create surveillance and, you know, like all this data that you leave behind. Like, you know, it's this mountain of data. I just see it as this mountain of data on our civilization. And how do we use this mountain of data beyond? each group right like right now we're thinking of like okay one group another group second group but like how do we tap into all of this data that exists and just be like okay here's the human species so how do we use all of this data to like create a whole new set of i guess like improvements for for the humankind right it's like it's such a different question
2: yeah and I I love that question, because I think that's really what people I think sometimes that's what companies think they're trying to ask, but they're not. They're trying to think, like, how can we make money off of that? And they're like, how can we use the Fitbit data for insurance? And I'm like, I don't know if those two things should, especially in the United States, should be like combined. But I'm like, what if like what if the World Health Organization, which they can be problematic, too, we're not going to pretend like they're, you know, life like without um you know their problems but imagine if there was some organization that was like what if you could use this to actually like figure out like like understand more about the patterns of like how people get cancer or how people get disease or like these things are like early indicators of like virus outbreaks or like those kind of things or how people's bodies are responding right and Those are things where it's like, what if it was more of like, you could use it for like collective things, but just not at an individual level. Because right now everything is like, they want to use the data to be able to like, help you with something that's technically another product, or they want to use it to advertise to you. And there's really, there's really not a lot of things that are going on where they're using it for like, we're actually taking this data and using this to like solve like at a community level, right? And I think that's, that's the thing is like, if there was an organization that people would actually trust, like that would be great, but the, that's also like the opportunities for abuse in that, like there would have to be so much like of that inf- personal information stripped from that data to try to reduce the level of harm that someone who wanted to use it to abuse the system could do.
1: Right, and and speaking of companies that probably like wouldn't do so harm, the only one that kind of comes to mind is like Neuralink. But even then, it's like, what is Elon terrified? I'm like, what is Elon doing with Neuralink? And p- part of me is like, hook me up, <laughs> upload my consciousness. Um,
2: I'm kind of like, okay, so how 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 are the security features? Like, what happens when someone hacks into Neuralink? Like, that's what I want to know. Like, someone who's just like look at all the people who are just like curious and on the internet every day and doing whatever just for fun and you're like wow you took down a whole company's operating system for five hours just because you were having fun that day and imagine like someone's just like so what happens to a human who has Neuralink?" and i do this i'm like i don't i don't want to i don't want to find out for me right you know and that's and that's one of the things where it's like The other big thing that I think we're seeing that we need to consider a lot, I don't know how much it's brought up, but like one of the things that comes with human first product second is this aspect of security and I mean, privacy, but also security, because when you think about it, it's not just like, Oh, people potentially being filmed in their homes. It's like, also there's, there's this level of there's, um, I can't remember her name right now, but she does amazing work actually looking at how technology is used by abusers and domestic abuse, um situations um and there is just a lot of potential for for these things to be abused if they don't have the right security imagine so, so, imagine being in a relationship with, ship with somebody who knew how to like mess with neuralink stuff and started messing with your Neuralink like and, while you were asleep and then like something happened. Right. Like, and then like gaslit you about it. Cause the story that she talked about her talk, I wish I remember her name. I'll send it the show notes is she, there was this one woman where her partner would like turn up the nest and really hot in the middle of the day. And like her partner would be at work with, she was at home and then he would turn it back down or something. And he, he'd come home and she'd be like oh my god like i was sweating that it was so hot and he goes no the nest has been at this temperature all day like i have the app on my phone like it's fine and like was gaslighting her about it and then it turns out like he was doing it intentionally to like just it wasn't like a joke or anything like he just was doing it and like had different ways of like just making her feel like she was going insane and there's there's actually like way darker stories than this um that allow people not understanding how they're getting tracked because the dps the that defaults in your car it's very hard to tell who's attached to it like um you know there's a lot of security vulnerabilities and if you look like let's say okay this whole last year we all just went online for for work for school every major tool that we've used in the last year all with, with the exception of maybe like microsoft teams with the big big names have had some sort of like security problem or outage that was like no one ever followed up later which meant like they probably was a big security issue, and they can't talk about it because then somebody else would be encouraged, right? So Zoom had issues, right? Facebook, Facebook, and Instagram have both had issues this year. I think Twitter at some point went down. Apple. We talked Slack had a outage. Yeah, Apple, Apple had a meter. when
1: Apple had a thing that week. Uh, someone hacked into my Apple Pay, and they were trying to buy um, military tactical gear. Yeah, and it's I was sad. like, "Who is trying to buy? I'm not trying to buy tactical gear. Like, what?" somebody got a hold of my
2: Apple pay. You think about like, yeah, these, these companies have had like outages here and there. We've technically been in the United States. We've been in the semi lockdown state for not even a full year yet, almost a year, but not a full year. And all these tools have had some sort of major outage and or security breach in less than one year. And if that doesn't, And that, and that, I'm not even talking about. And then we have the whole solar winds thing on top of it, right? And so, that's another aspect where I'm like, it's it's not even just like harmful to everyone. Is when you start thinking about, okay, so we're having these security problems that these other people can use. Then these security breaches exist for people to be able to target marginalized groups as well, and the government to be able to do that as well, like. And so that's why it's like all these things are things we need to think about. Like, so security is one element also thinking about like human first, because all of these tools have the potential to be abused by people who were never customers, you know, aren't supposed to have access to this at all. And so these are all things like that we need to be thinking about. Like, how can this end up doing more damage in the hands of the wrong people?
1: Yeah. You just brought up solar flares too. I didn't even think about Neuralink and solar flares. Like if one solar flare was large enough to like wipe everything out, is that going to wipe out my like Neuralink? And what would that do? And like, and will the Neuralink, can I hack it that it makes me like work out extra hard, like every day? Like, what do you, (laughs) you know, like, what are some ways you can manipulate your own body or somebody else can manipulate your body? Like, I don't know. Can somebody hack my, like, can somebody hack my body that I become like a flasher? You know what I like, like what, what happens when somebody with neural links get hacked? Like, am I going to be running down the street streaking everyone? <laughs> like, can you hack 15 people to go streaking at the same time?
2: Even things where it's like, let's say down the road, somebody who's like a politician or like someone who's like, uh, disagrees with a politician um, has a neural link and, it gets hacked and they are seen like talking to themselves on the street at like 3 AM. And they like like you could be like, well, this person, like their criticisms of me aren't even valid because this person is clearly losing their mind it's a way to you could use it to discredit your enemies if you had the power to hack the link
1: It's so interesting it's so interesting to talk about it It's like uh, I know that there's been a buzz about Biden having a peloton in the White House or just having a peloton and they're like well can the president's peloton be hacked and I'm like heck yeah <laughs> that's probably a lot easier to hack than like anything but then I'm like but then I'm like this Biden just like drop into classes under his own name <laughs> like are they like oh my god President Biden is spinning with me this morning? <laughs> like how does it work and then like going back to schizophrenia too you know like in new york you see so many people talking to themselves some people are on bluetooth and some people are off bluetooth they're just schizophrenic and part of me is like you know maybe that's just like a different technology like do we really understand schizophrenia like maybe people are tuned into a different frequency maybe they're talking to somebody but it's in a different dimension like what is what is it you know like what would Everything is an illusion, right? If the body thinks people with schizophrenia don't think they're schizophrenic, they just think that they're doing something that's normal. So it's like technology and just mind altering is like not too different. They're kind of like the same in a weird way if you think about it, because it's mind altering.
2: Yeah. And I think the other thing is just we need to understand that it really, I really don't think it takes that much to alter someone's mind. And that's actually like kind of a terrifying reality whether it's technology or not technology, right? Like they used to have, they literally just used to drill a hole in the front of someone's head and be like, there, you're not crazy anymore.
1: (laughs) Right. And leeching and all that stuff and bloodletting. I mean, it's so interesting. We're entering this really new phase with all of this technology. And I think about it because I just had a kid. So she's like two months old. And I'm like, as my child grows up, you know, obviously I want to keep her off social media you know, I obviously, I want to keep off screens. I can't keep her off the TV. Like she's already like TV. She's like ballet. I, she loves ice skating. So like, again, there are all these things growing up that I'm like, well, what do I expose my child to? And as she grows up, how do I create a safe atmosphere for her? And, and how do you keep kids safe in this world? How do you keep kids safe in this world where you have like online stuff and you have companies and and companies, when they're launching products, they're not really thinking about kids, which is good. Well, it's good and
2: it's not good.
1: It's not good. Right.
2: Where it's like YouTube ran into that problem, right? Where they didn't, they thought about, oh, we'll have YouTube for kids. But then there were a lot of scenarios about how kids use YouTube that they did not account for that made it actually a very dangerous place for children.
1: Right. So it's, it's, you know, when you're talking about inclusivity, it's like, you have to talk about ageism. You have to talk about all these things and like,
2: I mean, yeah, ageism. I'm just going to point out this whole vaccine thing with like older people and like how we have a bajillion different sites. And I mean, first of all, I mean, it'd be this incredibly dangerous from the fact of like, no one knows where they're supposed to, like, you'd be really easy to like, like scam somebody and giving you their information. But then also I'm like, a lot of these people are not in a generation where they want to necessarily fill out a big complicated form. And if the form throws them errors, I've been, I would read an article the other day where it's like, somebody was like, I just had to call a family member and have them fill it out for me because I literally couldn't finish the form.
1: Right. Right. It's, it's building inclusion. Oh, this gets so interesting. It's like, what is beyond AI? Right. Like, we're an AI right now, and we're still a pretty primitive s- species. <laughs> you know, we just, yeah. it's like, we just discovered fire, like, how many thousands of years ago, and now we're, like, this is our next fire. Like, we just, did, we discovered the fire. That was the big thing. We discovered the wheel, and then we had, like, the industrial revolution, and now we have, like, the tech revolution.
2: And now we're trying to hook computers into our brains.
1: Yeah, but then, like, what's up? You know, I've been watching this awesome show. It's called uh, Alien Planet. Have you seen Alien Planet? It's about yeah. like, alien. it's about like, it's like the nature show, but like for imaginary worlds that are like alien. It's really fun. I forget what it's on, but it's like, it's really trippy. It looks like, um, avatar, but it just explores all these different planets and it, uh, like sets up all these scenarios depending on evolution. And it's, you know, just trying to think about what's going to happen next for humankind is, I, I'm not sure where it's going to go. Maybe we become like, just this floating consciousness this air that's just telepathic without bodies like maybe we just leave our bodies maybe maybe that's rapture maybe that's ascension right like is that our, is that our techno rapture <laughs> like we...
2: more and more i'm kind of feeling like the the stuff in the matrix isn't like that far off when you consider it's interesting because people simultaneously hate their technology and then also are tied to it completely. And it's kind of like, and we're like, Oh, we want to put chips in our brain that kind of thing. And I'm like, how, how far are we off from people just being like, if you were in this alternate world that felt good at the time you entered it and then you just like never left it, like how really like how, how much distance is there between the world we're in now where we're constantly connected to everything and that world?
1: Right. Uh, I don't know. Like part of me, I, I would, I just want to be more engaged in tech. Like when I'm breastfeeding at night, I don't have my phone because I'm breastfeeding or like I turn on clubhouse and it wakes up the baby by accident because my thumb slips and I'm in the chat room with like 50 people. But, um, but I, I'm like, I know parts of me wish that like, I, I was like, Oh, I wish I could like roll the eyes in the back of my head and like Google something without using my hands. You know, like I wish I can have all these tools. I wish I was kind of like on neural link already. Cause it would just speed up my knowledge. Like I was like, Oh, I need to Google this. I don't know this. Like, but at the same time, it's like, what is, what is our next evolution? Right? Like we have to, we have to go somewhere from here. <laughs> and how do we, how do we make that inclusive?
2: That's that's the big question. And I think for me, I'm like, I don't have all the answers, but I know I will say like when people ask, like, do you like, what would you do if you didn't have to do what you're doing right now? And I'm like, I actually really like what I'm doing right now. And I feel like what I'm doing is somehow part of the answer. And I feel like I am one part of the puzzle. I don't necessarily fully have that vision of the full puzzle yet, but I do feel very strongly about you know building products that are inclusive like building products that are built for humans not just profit and I think that is like a piece of this puzzle a piece of this answer of like what what is next for humans and like what like what does it mean to be human right now
1: and and how can we get more human how can we get away from this money aspect and how can we get to a place where everyone can live comfortably and everybody can be seen, you know, that's a different question. It's like, do we go beyond that? I don't know.
2: I'll say it's not a good sign when most cultures share, not all cultures, but many cultures share a story where there's this idea that like at some point, the human race does something really bad and very greedy that then like perpetuates like all the BS that's literally happened since the creation of uh, humankind. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. It was like always like, and then somebody does something and then it's like, they like murder their, like, you know, their cousin or something else happens. And it's like, everything goes from there. I'm like, a lot of it comes from like, uh, my So my mom My mom is a better reader than I am, but I think better reader, she reads more than I do. One thing that she brings up is she says like a lot of the books that she's read about our species says like humans are okay in smaller groups, but once you get groups bigger than I think it was like, I could be wrong about this, but it's like be bigger than 60, 75, like that close connection isn't necessarily there anymore and that's where you start getting the people where they're like but i don't really want to do what the rest of the group wants me to do or <laughs> and, or where like you start getting people where they're like i just got so mad at that person i just killed them," <laughs> and like and that's the thing is it's like it's like that's that's the thing is right it's like maybe maybe we are okay as a species but only if there's 60 of us I, you know i don't know like I, it's it's a interesting question um, because people keep saying like this is this what we have now at this scale is not sustainable and it's not maybe just the numbers but also because maybe our species when you look at viruses right and like one of the one of the things that i learned wasn't learned in college one of the things we did in my c plus plus class in college is we had to like look at this program that basically copied how viruses work which some way it is is they try to infect as many things as they can from a species or thing and then it's like enough of those things start dying out and what actually like if you don't have a vaccine what actually starts killing the virus is the fact there's not enough other living things to actually get the virus is it that like humanity is like its own virus on the planet and we're just getting to that critical mass where we start being so much that we actually start dying off because we've run out of things to kill
1: I know that's very dark. No, it's, it's so fascinating. You know, you know, it's, I don't think it's dark at all. And I think this is like where, you know, like uh, toxic positivity comes in because people are like positive, positive, but it's like, but no, like nature is, is dark. Nature is dangerous. There's like, you know, there's like things out in the world. And I think it's a really interesting discussion because. I don't think you can look at technology and everything else with just like, you know, rosy colored glasses and go, oh, everything is okay. It's like there are, you know, effects to it. And maybe we are a virus. Who knows? Maybe we're just trying to find a new planet to colonize because we're just going to keep on spreading through the universe.
2: I'm just going to say, looking out my window in New York right now, here in February, if this is winter on Earth, I don't want to experience winter on Mars just putting it out there they're gonna have to go without me (laughs) gonna have to go without me i'm very i'm also very grown very attached to this this one this planet
1: i figure like my great grandchild will probably be on mars i was like my great grandchild will probably be on mars if you think about it i don't know it's possible i mean it has to be like it's gonna take some time for terraforming and stuff but it's like, again, it's like we have AI terraforming it. And how is it going to terraform Mars? And is it going to be <laughs> inclusive for everyone? Or is it just going to be billionaires?
2: Definitely at a critical point. Definitely at a critical point. And so I think I think by 2025, we will see a lot more. And I'm just going to do a shout out to Charlie Oliver, because she actually, she founded Tech 2025, which actually set me down the path of a lot of the emerging tech um, and that sort of thing. And um and part of the reason why it was called tech twenty twenty five is because this is actually that's a year where like many analysts, like even way before Trump became president were like that's gonna be like a very critical year and like how humanity moves forward and, and it's like next technological revolution
1: yeah, I was um, researching tech twenty twenty five and they're um accelerating global disruption, right like their whole thing is like um just trying to like explore everything that you kind of like talk about in a weird way and just trying to like help get the world online.
2: Yeah. Oh, there's so much. There's so there's much. There's
1: so much. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm like, thank you. And I'm like, I'm like, we might have to do a follow-up discussion sometime later. And I like think we should, I online. would
2: love to do a follow-up discussion. That'd I'm be great, right? possible.
1: Because yeah, because I think like things are evolving so fast and things are happening and like, it would be really interesting to see, where data is going after the pandemic and what's changed and what hasn't, and like what new technologies are coming out of that. And after Neuralink goes live, and after like I have my like Neuralink embedded into me, you can like FaceTime me in my head and we can have uh, this discuss, discussion like the podcast <laughs> that way. Yeah, totally. Perfect. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on the show. Always yeah. a pleasure. Oh, and um, what is your dream as an adult?
2: Oh, man. My my ultimate dream as an adult is to just have so much money that I can just like chill in New York for like most, for like half the year and then chill on an Island, the other half of the year and just drink out of coconuts. Like, I don't, I don't need like a giant yacht. I don't need like a helicopter pad. I don't need a private jet. I just like want to just like, actually I don't mind working, but I just would really like to be able to do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted, I'm like, I still feel like I would want to work, but just work when I want to work. And, and really like what to say, like, I I just want, basically want to be happy. I I would say I'm happy now, but I'm like, I would like, I would like to have a lot more free time in, in my happiness and frolic on sandy beaches in the Caribbean.
1: You know, you can definitely do consulting from sandy beaches in the Caribbean. Well,
2: well, I'm I'm working on it. I'm working on it.
1: Definitely. Well, hey, uh, dreams into reality. And uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you because I I love your ideas and I'm excited to see what you're going to do in the future. And thank you for taking the time.
2: Yes. Thank Uh, you so much. And I'll talk to you
1: soon. Thanks for
0: tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dream Nation Love. It's not Dream Nation Podcast, it's Dream Nation Love, because I think my single mission in life is to teach people how to love a little bit more, and together we can save the world. So it's Dream Nation Love, share it with your friends, have a great day, and go out and make the world a better place.